on today's show, deck the halls with lots of three-pointers. Fa la 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 la. It's holiday season, y'all, as Aaron Holiday helps spark the Houston Rockets 110-101 win against the OKC Thunder. Alper and Shingun guarding Josh Giddy and outplaying Chet Holmgren in the same game. Plus, Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore playing a pair of insane games for the RGV Vipers. Min Thompson making his return to the basketball court. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Caleb Green. Shingoon here in the short row. Oh my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tarisen. Here comes Tarisen. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast, including YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment and subscribe. Now, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel right now. New customers. Get $150 on in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit handle.com slash locked on to get started. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everyday or thank you for making the show part of your day every single day. And speaking of, you might be like, hey, Jack, it's you know. It's a little it's a little late on this one. What happened? You know, it's a big win. The Rockets beat the, you know, the the one of the hottest teams in the NBA in the OKC Thunder. Have you guys ever done something so dumb that it just derailed the entire rest of your day? Uh something dumb like recording two and a half segments of a podcast with your microphone on mute and then not having the time to re-record it and fix your mistake. So we're not gonna talk about that. What we are gonna talk about is the Houston Rockets. 110-101 win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. A really impressive game with the Rockets back to their winning ways at Toyota Center. Now nine straight wins at Toyota Center. Keep in mind, remember, they lost that very first game against the Golden State Warriors way back when, which feels like almost a completely different season than it does now. And they've won nine straight. So they are a dominant team at Toyota Center. And away from Toyota Center, it's not looking so hot. But that's neither here nor there. We're going to focus on the actual gameplay here. Because first things first, I, <laughs> the Rockets were guarding Josh Giddy with Alperin Shingun, which A, is just hilarious in and of itself uh, that Josh Giddy has such a lack of floor spacing and is such a lack of a threat to shoot the basketball that they were like, you know what? Here, we're going to park Shingun on you. And it worked. They, I mean... They completely killed all of OKC's driving space. They, I mean, OKC's a team that loves to drive, get into the paint, and, you know, kind of establish their offensive actions that way. And by having Al P 
basically able to roam and do whatever because there were there were possessions where he wasn't even guarding Josh Giddy. He wasn't anywhere within the vicinity of Josh Giddy. And having that extra big body to kind of clog the paint and have an extra man to throw at guys and to have, you know, waiting in the weeds on a drive from, you know, uh, Jalen Williams or SGA, whoever it might be, uh, or to rotate out onto, you know, down to a Chet Holmgren to help rebound the basketball, whatever the case may be. Ime Odoka sticking out Bryn Shingun on Josh Giddy worked wonders. And so I had the chance to ask both Ime Odoka and Fred Van Vliet about it post-game. Josh Giddy, not a guy known for shooting the basketball. The game plan was obviously to have Alperin Shingun guarding him. How do you think he handled that defensive assignment? It was good. He clogged the lane. I think he could have been a little more aggressive helping guys at times. And then, you know, he still want to give a little doubt and, you know, fake out at him. Uh, but that was the plan, and he's going to knock some down eventually, you know, two for five. But more so than that, he didn't take that many. I mean, you know, five, he had probably ten or so wide open. And, and it, it gives us a big body to crowd the paint, you know, number one driving team in the league. And, you know, they're the team that hunts mismatches and penetration is their big key. So Albert being there was a little bit of a d- deterrent on him. Coach? Yeah, I think it just, you know, expands kind of what you can do defensively to be able to, to trust them to be able to do that. Um, kind of changed our, you know, defensive approach. It helped us a lot. It kind of eliminated a lot of things that they like to do. Um, and he's capable. He's more than capable. And so we're going to continue to challenge him. And um, he's been stepping up to the plate. Love hearing that from both Ime Odoka and Fred Van Vliet. First, with what Ime had to say, right, that there were still some moments where, you know, Al P could have, you know, made his presence felt a little bit more, you know, helped out in certain situations more. And that's okay. He's going to continue to learn. And like what Fred said, that he's capable. And I think that's such a big takeaway here is that last year we would have never seen Alper and Shingun trusted to guard the opposing team's point guard for the entire game we might see it we might have seen it on a you know on a random switch or a mismatch opportunity or something but not as the like core part of a defensive game plan to say hey you're gonna guard giddy and by guard giddy we mean go do anything else but guard giddy because look there were points look I, if you look at the box score if you're just box score watching josh giddy finished the game two of five shooting from downtown so you're thinking he shot 40 percent from three what are you talking about giddy played just fine no giddy ruined the offensive game flow for the okc thunder because albert shingun was giving him about 10 to 15 feet of space every possession there were possessions where he had the ball in the middle of the floor like free throw line distance from the basket and wasn't shooting it so a lot of the offense for okc felt very disjointed there was a lack of spacing and that was all a byproduct of putting albert shingun on josh giddy and then having him basically give him all the space in the world making putting the onus on josh giddy to say hey if you're gonna shoot the ball you gotta beat us and it got to a point where he just stopped shooting the basketball it also probably helped and maybe was in his head a little bit that he was getting incredibly loud boos every single time down the floor by all of Toyota Center. It was actually really impressive. I was like, oh, okay. Loud boos during you know, the pregame intros was one thing, but then every time he touched the basketball, it there were incredibly loud boos. And at one point, during uh, one of Josh Giddy's was it was it a free throw? It wasn't a free throw for Giddy. It was a free throw for somebody because there was like a, it was kind of like one of those quiet lulls in the stadium, and then I just heard loud as cl- loud and clear as day from section one fourteen uh, down near the down near the basket. Josh Giddy, you suck. <laughs> so loud me and the rest of the rockets digital department the admins that you guys always complaining to on twitter we all got a good laugh out of that one 
But uh, the defensive game plan, it worked. And it really did limit what OKC was able to do. And then on the flip side, uh, on the offensive side of the basketball for the Rockets, Alperin Shagun completely outplayed Chet Holmgren. Look, Chet Holmgren's have been having a sensational season, but he is a rookie, and he got rooked in this game by Alperin Shingun. Basically, every single time that Chet Holmgren had to guard Al P and Al P broke out the spin cycle. Chet was left just like, whoa, like dazed and confused because he couldn't keep up with him. I mean, Al P first possession of the game, he bodied Chet Holmgren. He spun into a move and then like dipped the shoulder into him. And Chet just like went flying back like three to five feet because uh, there's just he doesn't have a lot of weight to him. Right. And it is what it is. But it was a mismatch, not a mismatch, but it was an advantage for Alperin Shingun, uh, and it was clear, and the Rockets kept going back to it. Alpi finishes the game 21 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists. He had a steal. He had a couple blocks, 8 of 13 shooting. Really the only couple bad areas of Alperin Shingun's game. He did have 4 turnovers in this one, and he was only 5 of 11 at the free throw line. That has to be better. He can't be 5 of 11 in the charity stripe, especially when you're getting there as much as Alperin Shingun is. And you've got to clean up some of the turnovers. But by and large, the entire team had a lot of kind of uncharacteristic turnovers in this one. Every single starter had at a minimum three turnovers in this game. OKC is a game or a team known for stealing the basketball. They play the passing lanes really well. Uh, SGA especially, even though he only walked or sorry, not only walked away with. He had six steals in this game. And that was a big reason uh, for some of these Rockets turnovers. But. Coming up, want to get into the other elements of this game. Holiday season, guys. How Aaron Holiday sparked uh, a, a big push for the Houston Rockets off the bench in this one, as well as the other significant contributors for this game. Dylan Brooks leading the way with 23 points scoring-wise for the starters. And then Jabari Smith Jr., a career-high 18 rebounds. We also got to talk a little bit about Amin Thompson making his return to basketball action. Him and Cam Whitmore for the Vipers. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the offers stay hot on FanDuel because right now new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins and all you have to do is wager $5. It's that easy. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. Right now, you can take a look at the outright favorites to win Super Bowl 58. The 49ers leading the pack, creating a little bit of distance at plus 320 to win it all this season. Right behind them, you got the Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles at plus 500, Kansas City Chiefs at plus 550, Baltimore Ravens at 650, and the Miami Dolphins at plus 750. They've also got you covered for spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started this NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything. Houston Rockets of basketball continuing to break down this Rockets 110-101 dub against the OKC Thunder. A team... A Thunder team that we thought we weren't going to see until like the back half of the season. So shout out to the NBA in-season tournament scheduling and the fact that we were able to get a uh, an up-close look at this Thunder squad sooner rather than later. A team that's, you know, look, the Rockets and Thunder are always going to have a history with one other. Teams are going to always want to compare the two. They're kind of going to be, you know, attached for better or for worse because of the, so much of the history that they've shared, right? The, the James Harden trade, then the Chris Paul-Russell Westbrook trade. Um, most recently, the Alperin Shingun trade, which is kind of crazy to think that the OKC Thunder drafted the the best young center in the NBA, 
and then traded him to the Oklahoma or to the to the Houston Rockets. Not traded, but the OKC Thunder. I'm all mixed up in my words. But uh, this this win wouldn't have been possible without the uh, insane spark that Aaron Holiday Holiday season guys uh, brought off the Houston Rockets bench. Twenty two points, six rebounds, four assists. He had a steal. Uh, no turnovers, was 6 of 13 shooting, was 6 of 7 from the three-point line. At one point, he was 5 of 5. He may have been 6 of 7, or sorry, sorry, 6 of 6 at one point before missing his first and only three-pointer over the course of the game. Uh, I can't remember if if it was 6 of 6 at one point. But, I mean, Aaron Holiday was on a heater in this game. And it helped out a ton because, first off, the Rockets were short-staffed in this game. They didn't have Jeff Green. They didn't have Jock Landale. And so because of that, you know, some of the usual the usual suspects off of the Houston Rockets bench, at least as far as Jeff Green is concerned, uh, it, it kind of, everybody slotted up a little bit in the rotation. So Aaron Holiday, you know, they they leaned on him heavily in this one. He had it going from, from deep and it was... It was much needed because this was a really good OKC team to where the Rockets dominated that first quarter, uh, 32 to 22. But then as the game went on, right, OKC actually outplayed the Rockets, I think, in the second and in the third quarters. But the Rockets had kind of afforded themselves themselves enough of a buffer there in the first quarter that OKC was having to kind of try and fight back into the game. And then back in that fourth quarter, the Rockets kind of got going again. Aaron Holiday hit some big shots. The Rockets kind of came together as a team there in the fourth quarter, able to close this one out. But there were definitely stretches in this game where you look and you're just like, like their inability to close out quarters strong kind of became apparent again in this one. Uh, there was a lot of good that they that they had going for them in this game. Again, Alperen Shingun out playing Chet Holmgren, limiting him to just four points on two of nine shooting. They basically shut down Everybody that wasn't SGA and even SGA, they didn't put him on the free throw line a ton. So credit to Aaron Holiday for the spark that he provided offensively. Credit to him for the defense that he played on the other side of the basketball. Um, I, I thought the Rockets' defensive game plan, again, starting with Alperen Shingun, but then spreading to all the other guys on the roster was a big reason for this win. So I do want to give a lot of credit here to two guys. First off, Dylan Brooks, who had the best offensive game for the Rock. Well, maybe not better than Aaron Holiday. He, he scored one more point than Aaron Holiday, but he did it on much more volume. Uh, 23 points on 9 of 17 shooting. Uh, only 2 of 7 from behind the three-point line, but was really getting after it as far as his driving game, finishing around the rim, that kind of thing. Uh, it was just kind of one of those games where Dylan Brooks had a you know size advantage on uh, you know many of the the guys that they were trying to guard him with with the OKC roster, whether it was Jalen Williams, whether it was Trey Mann, whether it was Isaiah Joe, Aaron Wiggins, didn't matter who they put on Dylan Brooks. He had you know he was bigger, stronger, was able to drive and get his shoulders past the defender or just finish over the top of the defense. Um, so a, a nice offensive night for Dylan Brooks. He did. Attempt, you know, some some wild three pointers there. He had a step back three at one point in this game. Uh, not not super jazzed about that the quality of that shot, but hey, sometimes they fall, right? Uh, it was defensively though that I was actually really impressed with Dylan Brooks. Now his main assignment was Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Shea did have thirty three points on thirteen of eighteen shooting, but it did really feel like Shea had to work a lot for the offense that he did get in this game. It didn't feel like anything really came easy to him. Um, didn't attempt 
a single three-pointer in this game. So the spacing was, again, that was a big part of the OKC Thunder spacing issues, um, limiting the number of threes that they were able to get overall as a team, and then also forcing them to some tough threes. But the main thing for me was Dylan Brooks is a guy who is a league leader, if not the league leader, in fouls per game. Uh, and he was actually very controlled this game. This would have been a really easy game for him to pick up a bunch of fouls early on playing overly aggressive against a guy like Shea Gil SG. I'm just going to say SG. It's too many, it's too many vowels, consonants, whatever going on in that name. SGA. This is a guy who loves to get to the free throw line, right? Is a, is one of the premier foul merchants in the NBA. And Dylan did a fantastic job staying out of foul trouble, but still being, still being physical with SGA and making sure his presence was felt defensively without overexerting himself and then getting into foul trouble. I do think we were kind of trending downwards there for a few games, a handful of games, the last four or five or so where Dylan was getting a two, a tad too hyper aggressive defensively. And that was leading to some issues for the Rockets where, you know, he was getting in foul trouble and it was messing up rotations and he'd have to sit for long stretches. And look, the Rockets are a better team when Dylan Brooks is on the floor. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And we know that he knows how to play with fouls, but there's just a certain degree of going too far with the physicality. And you have to be aware of how the refs are going to call a specific game and what it's going to look like and what you can and can't get away with. And it really felt like he did a great job in this one of not only stepping up to the plate offensively in a game that the Rockets really needed him to, but then also defensively, the, the tough challenge of guarding an SGA. Yes, he still scored 33 points, but it was not an easy 33 and by having the luxury of Dylan Brooks and basically just telling him hey single coverage on SGA good luck and then by having Alperin Shingun guard Josh Gideon kind of blow some stuff up there the Rockets were able to you know limit the entirety of the OKC roster because yeah SGA had 33 but their next leading scorer was Jalen Williams with 13 points on 5 of 13 shooting Chet Holmgren who's a big part of their offense only scored 4 points on 2 of 9 shooting Giddy had 8 points on 3 of 11 Lou Dort had 4 points on 0 of 5 shooting started the second half and got pulled like I don't know a minute and a half into the second half and got sat all the way until the fourth quarter just because he was so unproductive offensively there was no reason for them to have him out on the court and he was also kind of killing OKC spacing out there with Josh Giddy. so credit to the Rockets defensive game plan they figured out how to slow down the Thunder enough to be able to pull out the dub coming up do got to talk about Jabari Smith Jr. his career high rebounding night and what we saw out of him playing the five spot as well as Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore a pair of explosive games for them with the RGV Vipers against the OKC Blue I wonder how many times that's happened where the G League teams and the NBA versions of the teams have played in the same calendar day we're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll and it's so simple to play. They've got quick withdrawals, easy game plan, and an enormous selection of players and stat types, which is what makes Prize Picks the number one DFS app on the market. You can make your picks and submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. It's that 
easy. And with basketball season here now and in full swing, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can do LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus reception. So if you've been thinking about getting into daily fantasy sports, you've got to try prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a deposit match up to $100. PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. A couple final thoughts from this Rockets OKC game and then some more thoughts on the other. Uh, well, I can't call it the Rockets OKC game. Darn it, because they're the Vipers, not that whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? Um, Jabari Smith Jr. I, I, I won't say non-factor offensively, but just, you know, a very, very quiet night for Jabari on the offensive end. Only six points, two of four shooting, hit his only three-pointer, hit his only free throw. But where Jabari really made his presence felt in this game was on the glass. And kind of by necessity, because again, no Jeff Green, no Jock Landale in this game. Rockets a bit short-staffed there. Even Reggie Bullock getting getting some run off the Rockets bench. And... Jabari at the five is always something that, you know, the, the, that we know that the Rockets have tinkered with, that they like the idea of in theory. And I think we're starting to see ways that Jabari can be impactful when he understands that he's taller, bigger, you know, not always stronger than a lot of other players out there on the court. But when you're basically seven feet tall, you can be an elite rebounder, and a lot of it is just want to. And it felt like he had all the want to in the world in this game, walking away with 18 boards, four of them on the offensive glass, just cleaning up. Um, and he was talking about a post game, basically that the coaching staff has just been encouraging him to crash the glass hard. And that that's something that he can, you know, do at a very, very high level. And this game, it felt like that was his complete and utter focus was just, Hey, I'm just going to dominate the boards. And when you look at, you know, down the line of the fact that there wasn't a single OKC player that had more than five rebounds in this game, the Rockets completely dominated the glass 53 to 30 like what that between Jabari with his career high 18 boards 14 on the defensive glass and then four offensive rebounds and then Tari Eason off the Rockets bench with eight rebounds he had six of them on the defensive glass and then two offensive boards Uh, I mean the Rockets were just snatching every rebound in existence in this game and so I, you know, I liked that from Jabari because there there have been points throughout Jabari's career, right, where it's felt like the physicality is lacking in his game sometimes. And to see him come out and ha- play with, you know, frankly, a bit of a chip on his shoulder against an OKC team that, you know, promised him that they were going to draft him or take him at least top two, and then that didn't happen, and he didn't get a chance. This was his first meetup against his. Uh, draft class partner in Chet Holmgren and uh, well outside of summer league at least and he kind of dominated that matchup too because the Rockets sat Alperin Shingun on Josh Giddy on the defensive end but Jabari was the one guarding Chet and Jabari did a fantastic job guarding Chet Holmgren now there were plenty of times where the Rockets would switch and move things around and they didn't really feel you know like Chet was going to expose them on mismatches with smaller players but in the you know in the matchups where Jabari and Chet went head to head, Jabari did a fantastic job, right? You know, length on length, guarding him, boxing out well, doing all the little stuff, 
And so I think at least as far as their first matchup is concerned, you look side by side. And even though Jabari didn't have a big night offensively, I think he still won the matchup and he dominated the glass. And that was a big part of the Rockets being able to win this game, closing out some of their defensive possessions strong. That's been an issue for this team at times, just not rebounding the ball well. So Jabari doesn't have to go out there and get 18 rebounds every single game. But if he can be out there and, and be a, you know, a steady double double presence, which he basically has become a reliable, like, I don't know, like 15 and 10, you know, in most games lately over the last month or so. Uh, that's a really exciting trend moving forward for Jabari Smith Jr. And him at the five just kind of unlocks a lot for this Rockets offense, right? It continues to give them that that five-out spacing. Um, I, I still will say, and I've been banging this drum for a while now, I would like to still see him get a few more opportunities offensively, uh, especially in the mid-range with as well as he's been shooting the basketball from there. I do think he's earned those reps and those opportunities at this point. Uh, so would like to still see him be a bigger focal point for the Rockets offensively, especially, you know, in this game, he was out there kind of with that second unit playing more so kind of like the Jeff green role, the small ball five with no Jeff in this game. Uh, so kind of a missed opportunity there, but Rockets still got the win. So can't complain too much. Uh, also Jalen green in this game. I didn't mention him early on. Uh, not a huge game from Jalen Green, but not a not a bad game either. Just kind of a quiet night. 15 points, 6 of 12 shooting. Was 1 of 3 from 3-point land. Only attempted a couple free throws, but he did hit them. He had 7 rebounds as well, so very active on the glass for Jalen Green. Uh, he was also part of the Rockets' turnover brigade with the starters with 3 of his turnovers. Uh, so just, you know... Not a bad game, not a great game for Jalen Green, kind of a forgettable evening. Uh, just, you know, did what he needed to do, and then once it became readily apparent that, you know, Al P was going to continue to cook Chet Holmgren and that Dylan Brooks had it going offensively, at least, you know, inside the three-point arc, and then with Aaron Holiday off the bench, right, that's, you know, that's where a lot of the Rockets kind of focused their energy, focused uh, their, their efforts into getting those guys the basketball and being able to, you know, feed the hot hand, if you will, Um and a big part of that was Fred Van Vliet as well. He had, at least getting off to the good start, Fred had six assists, zero, sorry, six assists, zero turnovers in that first quarter for the Rockets. Now, over the rest of the game, unfortunately, he only had three more assists as well as three turnovers, which for Fred, again, anything more than a couple turnovers in a given game is pretty uncharacteristic. But again, this is an OKC team that forces a lot of turnovers. Uh, only 4-14 shooting for Fred and... It's tough because his primary job is to get other guys involved, but you would like to see that efficiency be a little bit better for Fred Van Vliet moving forward. He's been pretty inconsistent when it comes to shooting the basketball. He's he showed up in big moments this season for sure, and you can kind of rely on him to to you know hit a big shot when you need him to hit a big shot. Um, but the playmaking has been that's basically what he was brought in to do. He was brought in to be a floor general. And he's doing that, and he is exceeding in that role. He is better than advertised when it comes to feeding the hot hand, getting these young Rockets involved, kind of steering the ship when he's out there, and even his defense, right? It's all been better than advertised. So I feel like I'm not going to nitpick too much when it comes to you know a, a so-so efficiency night from Fred. He was still 3 of 7 from the three-point line. Uh, and I'll give Tari Eason his flowers, too. Uh, Tari just continues to do Tari things when he's out on the basketball court, filling up the stat sheet. Nine points, eight rebounds, four assists, uh, no steals, which is strange for Tari, but he did have a couple blocks in just 22 minutes off of the Rockets bench. And Jay Sean Tate actually had, you know, he's been 
trending downward a little bit over these most recent few games, unfortunately. Uh, not that, you know, it, it's not something that can be fixed. There were even a couple points where Ime Odoka walked down the Houston Rockets bench and went and chatted with Jay Sean Tate, kind of like, you know, clapping his hands a little bit, being very animated and even pointing to a couple things that were happening on the floor. <clears throat> Pardon me. So it was a bad game for Jay Sean Tate. He kind of fell into some bad tendencies on the offensive end. He had a couple turnovers, missed a couple shots. Um, and, you know, it is what it is. Every player has some bad games, um, but he's got to be better. He's still going to be a winning part of what this team wants to do. It's not like he's going to suddenly be out of the rotation. But uh, in this one, he this was one of the fewest minutes totals he's played all season. And for good reason. He was bad in the minutes that he played. So um, on to the next one, and, and hopefully he can rebound uh, in, in the next game. But uh, got sh to shine a light on what... Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore both did in, uh, I can't say in RGV, in Oklahoma City uh, for the RGV Vipers. So Amin Thompson making his return to basketball action. We knew that this was kind of the, the Rockets' game plan with Amin Thompson was send him down to the G League and kind of see what happens down there. Uh, you know, let him get a couple games in, under his belt before returning to uh, NBA action with the actual Rockets. And he went out there and just dominated. I mean, Amin Thompson had 29 points, uh, 16 rebounds, and 10 assists, a 29-point triple-double in his return to action with the RGV Vipers. He was 12 of 16 shooting from the floor, 2 of 3 from the three-point line, and the ease with which he was slicing and dicing through the Oklahoma City Blue uh, defense in that G League game was really impressive. Now, this was a game where uh, the Thunder... Or sorry, not the Thunder. I keep call, I keep wanting to call him the Thunder. Uh, the Blue led by as many as seventy-one to fifty-six uh, at halftime, uh, and it was kind of like a back and forth third quarter. And then the Rockets like just I, I don't know activated the rocket fuel, whatever. God, I keep calling them Rockets and Thunder. Whatever. They're basically the Rockets and Thunder. They're the G League versions of the Rockets and Thunder. You guys know what I mean. The Vipers turned on like the turbo nuclear button in the fourth quarter, and part of that was was not just. Amin Thompson because his game was was solid throughout but it was actually Cam Whitmore who struggled kind of through those first three quarters and then just turned it on there in the fourth quarter Cam himself you know finishing with uh, 28 points on 10 of 25 shooting uh, a large portion of his scoring kind of catching fire there I believe it's like five or six three pointers there in the fourth quarter to force overtime now the Vipers did go on to lose in overtime unfortunately uh, overtime score seven to five so final score 128 to one 26 in this game but you couldn't be more impressed with what you saw out of the two young Rockets pieces in Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore and kind of what they were able to do in this game specifically and again when you look at Amin Thompson in this one going back and looking at some of the plays from this one it looks like hopefully he's realized that he can basically beat anybody off the dribble like the the ease with which he was driving and then collapsing the blue defense and then either kicking it out to shooters or just finishing at the cup himself was really impressive. And that's something that I hope that he can bring back to the NBA level because there were points where when Amin was playing earlier on the season before the injury where he looked a little tentative, right? He looked a little cautious. It looked like he was a little unsure of himself. And hopefully the time that he spent, you know, rehabbing, looking at film, still being in and around the team, watching 
Fred play, sitting with him, you know, having one-on-one film sessions with Ime Odoka, all that stuff will lead to a kind of a revamped Amin Thompson that when he comes back, we're going to see him kind of put it together a lot better. We saw it before when Jalen missed time during his rookie year and then he came back. And generally when young players miss time, they're able to see the game from a different perspective by sitting out. And then it kind of opens up, it opens their eyes to some of the things that they were missing or not seeing or taking advantage of before when they were actually on the court because it's the NBA game is so much faster than any other level of basketball that they played in their careers. It does like it's it's kind of a you know cliche at this point, but like the game does eventually slow down for these young guys. And I do think that there's such a benefit to sitting out for a little bit in the early part of a rookie season to then see the game from a different vantage point and then kind of it, it slows down I think maybe a little bit faster when you're able to digest the game the way that we know him and we know him in Thompson is a film junkie so he, ha- he was probably up at like three in the morning just like pouring over game tape and film and figuring out ways that he could get better and hopefully we see it you know back in a Rockets jersey sooner rather than later now Ime Odoka did say that Amin Thompson could probably spend the weekend with the Vipers. They do have a couple games uh, in Birmingham against the Birmingham squadron, whatever. I don't, I don't remember which G League team is in Birmingham, but uh, they've got a couple more G League games that Amin Thompson might be, uh, might partake in. So I'm kind of pinpointing the Monday game against the, the Monday home game against the Spurs or the Wednesday home game against the Grizzlies would make the most sense for an Amin Thompson return. So keep those two dates circled on your Rockets calendar. But with that, uh, oh, and the last thing that I wanted, I I meant to mention this earlier, talking about Aaron Holiday's performance, and I I tucked it away here at the end, but should Aaron Holiday still be getting minutes once Amin Thompson returns? You know, I've seen some Rockets fans kind of discussing this and kind of what needs to happen with rotation. Personally, for me, I think there's a world where Aaron Holiday and Amin Thompson can absolutely coexist off the Rockets bench. Uh, I think there's a world where, you know, Aaron Holiday plays a little bit bigger than his size. And also when you've got Amin Thompson, a guy who is built like a wing, you know, defensively, it gives you a lot of flexibility. It gives you a lot of options. And Aaron Holiday is a guy who can run the Rockets offense, you know, situationally. But he's such a great catch and shoot presence that. I think it's a match made in heaven for those two guys to play substantial minutes off the bench with one another. And I do think that that kind of opened up because of, unfortunately, how poorly Jock Landale had played in the early start of the season, right? Aaron Holiday was the guy who was kind of buried on the bench as a third stringer. And then Jock Landale started playing, you know, his his play was just pretty, pretty bad, you know, honestly. And then Amin Thompson got hurt and it kind of opened up the, the the role for Aaron Holiday here. And Aaron Holiday has been sensational. He was, you know, this, you know, a sneaky good pickup by this Rockets team. So for him to be, you know, for the Rockets to have Aaron Holiday and also get Amin Thompson back, I do think there's a way to factor those guys in. And, you know, maybe, well, th- frankly, Jock Lando should be out of the rotation. Uh, and then maybe, you know, other guys take a slight hit to their minutes, right? Maybe Jay Sean Tate's minutes reduce a little bit. Maybe Tari Eason's minutes reduce a little bit um, with Amin Thompson eating up a bit more minutes at the wing spot rather than, you know, at the guard spots exclusively. Uh, but that's a pretty solid guard rotation between Fred, Jalen, and then off the bench, Aaron Holiday and Amin Thompson. And that's still not counting the fact that they've got the gra- the glass ready to break on Cam Whitmore whenever they do feel the desire to give him a shot at some legitimate NBA minutes instead of just, you know, garbage time here and there. So with that, should Aaron Holiday still be a part of the rotation once Amin Thompson returns? Let me know your thoughts in the YouTube comments. Again, my apologies for my 
stupid recording mistake and the delay on this episode, but had to talk about it. A lot of exciting stuff that we had to get to in this one, but that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe. Drop your thoughts about Aaron Holiday and Amin Thompson, how they could complement each other, where, whether Aaron Holiday should still be getting rotation minutes once Amin Thompson is back. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. <laughs>